Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Friday the 11th of September. Jam, we're talking the class of 2020, year 12. What a tough year. Yeah, today we're going to brief you on the graduating class of 2020 and how this pandemic has impacted their ride into university. Our mental health has sort of been really, really struggling. Um, we've pretty much been thrown through the ringer. We'll share some of the key moments from our own formals in Year 12 as well. Yeah, maybe reveal how old we are to all of you. <laughs> some amazing music. Uh, before we do that, let's hit the big news of the day. We're going to start with some pretty heartwarming or heartbreaking news, really. Uh, yesterday, we told you about a dying dad in Brisbane, Mark Keynes. He'd been told that only one of his four children would be allowed to cross the border from New South Wales to say goodbye. It's a decision that Mark's dad, Bruce, told Nine they wouldn't make. We've said none. We could not pick one over, over any of the others. It'd be, it's impossible. Every, every one of them deserves it. It's a heartbreaking story and there's been a national outcry about this family situation. This is a no-brainer when you have a family choosing which child should say goodbye to their father, their dad... It's gone too far, just too far. So yesterday, Queensland Health changed their mind and said the family could come into Queensland, but they'd face a $20,000 bill for the travel and hotel quarantine, which they couldn't afford. Well, at the time of recording this, an online fundraiser to get Mark's four young children up to Queensland has raised more than $200,000, and the donations are still pouring in. Oh, that's awesome. People are good. This does give me a little bit of hope. When you give them a chance to be good, sometimes they take it. And the Prime Minister's been on the phone to the Queensland Premier about another heartbreaking border case. And then Anastasia Palaszczuk has accused Scott Morrison of the worst bullying she's ever seen. We are doing the best we possibly can in a pandemic. I would hope that the Prime Minister would work in a cooperative manner with everyone across this country and this divisiveness and these fights and this intimidation and this bullying is the worst I've ever seen in my lifetime, Mr Speaker. That is a big call from the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk there. Look, this all started early yesterday when the PM Scott Morrison told Macquarie Media that he had asked the Premier personally to overturn a decision not to let a Canberra woman, Sarah Kasip, go to her father's funeral after he died when she was in hotel quarantine in Brisbane. I rang the Premier this morning and I've appealed to her uh, to overrule a decision that would allow Sarah to go to the funeral today. Surely, in the midst of all of this heartache, surely just this once, this can be done. It's a horrible story. Despite the plea from the PM there, the state's chief health officer, Dr Jeanette Young, said that funerals are simply too risky. We know that, and most recently we've seen in Sydney several um, clusters related to funerals down there. So in the end, um, Sarah wasn't able to go to the funeral, but last night she was allowed a private viewing of her dad's body in full PPE under police guard. She wasn't allowed any contact with her younger sister or her mother. Wow, that is such a horrible scenario. Yeah, and the Prime Minister seems to be going very hard on this issue, drawing attention to these heartbreaking stories. And I'm not suggesting he doesn't care about the actual people involved in those stories, but I imagine the the economic costs of not opening the border are a big concern to him as well. I'm heading into the October budget, but clearly it's these personal stories that I think gets the public on side for his argument about borders. And it's not just the Queensland Premier copping criticism this week. 
a key Victorian crossbench MP, is calling for Melbourne's 8pm to 5am curfew to be dumped after revelations it wasn't based on medical advice and police didn't ask for it. Now, this is a strange story, Jan. Mm, it's very been, confusing. It's been evolving over the last few days and basically it started a few days ago when the health officer, Brett Sutton, acknowledged that he didn't ask for the curfew and then yesterday we found out that the Victorian Police Commissioner also didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. So finally Dan Andrews, the Premier, stood up and said that it was actually him that made the call and he can't see why it's such a big deal. With the exception of people who might like to go for a jog late at night or go to the supermarket when it's not open late at night, then all this does is make it simpler for police to enforce the rules. Now, the key crossbencher there is Reason Party MP Fiona Patton. She says that there's no reason to have it if it's not based on health advice. She's the one calling for it to be removed. Um, Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt agrees. Freedom of movement is a fundamental right in Victoria, and so I am sure that that would only ever, ever be impinged upon if they have the strongest reasons. The curfew comes at quite a psychological cost for people in Melbourne right now. To be told that after 8pm you can't go outside for whatever reason. Yeah, and there's no real data as to whether it works. Does it restrict movement enough? Can you put other policies in place that would restrict that movement without putting the curfew? Um, Does it reduce the spread of the disease? All of these questions sort of remain to be seen. Yeah, and I think if you can't justify these measures, it's extremely hard to keep tanking the public with you when it comes at such a personal cost to them. And the devastated friends of two Australian men on board a livestock ship which capsized off Japan are begging Australia to do more to try and find them. This morning, the Japanese Coast Guard resumed the search for the 43 crew members, including 25-year-old Lucas Order and 27-year-old William Mainprize, after the ship was caught in a typhoon last Wednesday. This morning, we spoke to Harry Morrison, who is a close friend of Wills, he says that he's still holding out hope that his friend is alive. The fact that they do have water and food sources on those life rafts and then there has been, a, you know, rains in those areas so they would be collecting more water. He's incredibly resourceful and resilient. Yeah, Harry also says he feels let down by Australia's response to this capsized ship. Of course I do, and I think you should as well, and I think everyone that's listening to this should as being an Australian citizen. We have the right, if we are, like, in danger, that our people should be looking after ourselves. If it comes down to a financial interest, that's just ridiculous. The surviving crews say an engine cut out and then a massive wave hit the ship, forcing it to capsize and sink. Sadly, no survivors have been found since Friday. All right, let's talk about school formals. Our formal's coming up, so we're really lucky to still have one. But we're not allowed to dance, we're not allowed to sing, and we have to stay sitting. We can't get the photo booths or, like, any of the props or any of the, like, arrivals, you know, and we're not allowed guests. Like, our date has to be in our year or in our school. Yes, today we are briefing you on Year 12 in the year of COVID. You just heard from Sam, who's in Year 12 at Toowoomba State High School, talking about her upcoming formal. Do you remember your formal, Jan? I do remember my formal. Oh, a tune. This takes me right back. This was your graduation that song? That was my graduation song, yeah. We didn't have any boys at my formal. It was an all-girls school, so oh. we were sort of slow dancing with the other girls, which, now that I look back, is kind of weird, but was very fun at the time. Yeah, I remember my formal back at Mudgee High School at the auditorium of the Country Comfort Inn. 
out on the dance floor, slow dancing with some of the babes from high school. Uh, what? <laughs> I've just got this mental image of you that I don't want to have in my mind it's at the moment. Sad, isn't it, it is very sad. What is this song? I've never heard this song before. This didn't date well. This is The Freshman by The Verve Pipe. <laughs> How old are you? Don't Google this. Let's not go there. Look, you had a good time. I had a good time, seemingly. Sadly, formal's looking a little bit different for Year 12s this year. They've been cancelled entirely in Victoria, um, severely restricted in other states and territories. The official schoolies on the Gold Coast has been canned. And, of course, travel restrictions mean that gap years overseas aren't happening next year. Yeah, and it's not just the social aspects of Year 12 that have been hugely disrupted. We're also going to look at the academic side as well. Um, here's Josh, who's in his final year at Rouse Hill in Sydney. Doing everything from home, zooming into our teachers every day. We actually had a series of assessments that we had to complete at home somewhere on a call with our teachers to make sure nothing naughty was going on, but others were um, yeah, just trusting that we were doing the right thing. I'm someone who does a lot of major work, so it was a lot of filming myself doing music and drama and dance and things like that and sending it in for feedback, and yeah, it was, it was a bit tough. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an easy ride there for Josh, but the students, I must say, doing it particularly tough this year are Year 12 students in Victoria. Now, the state has been in lockdown for two months, most of that time in a stage four lockdown, which is really tough. You're not allowed to leave the house for more than an hour a day. Yeah, Nathan Gunn is in Year 12 at Eltham High School in Melbourne. He's had a very interesting reaction. Last month, he started a petition calling for uh, the final year exam, the VCE, to be cancelled. And it started getting um, thousands of signatures. Yeah, it got, it got a bit of traction because days later, the Victorian Deputy Premier, James Molino, made this announcement. Every single VCE student will be individually assessed and any adverse impacts from COVID-19 will be reflected in their ATAR ranking. Yeah, Nathan is now preparing to sit that VCE exam. It didn't get cancelled and he's been telling us how tough the last few months have been. I think it's been a, a real challenge, really, um, seeing, you know, myself and all my mates, our mental health has sort of been really, really struggling, um, pretty much been thrown through the ringer. But for Year 12, it's been particularly tough in our final year. Is there an aspect of it, Nathan, that has been particularly hard for you and or your mates to deal with? Yeah, I think it's just losing that that face-to-face interaction and those, those opportunities to ask questions and, I guess, being in that group setting with people um, to collaborate on learning because that's really important throughout you know our years of developing into adults as we you know learn to be in a workforce so I think to just be you know stuck at home watching our classes on a computer screen it's it's really made it a bit of a struggle for us. Nathan are you able to give us a bit of an indication of what your school day actually looks like because obviously we're used to being able to, you know, whatever, catch the bus to school, be in a school playground, have classes, talk to our mates. What is your school day like now? It's, it's a bit all over the place, I guess. You know, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning, you know, log on. We've got our calls on, um, you know, WebEx or on Zoom or something. You know, we join the class. We've got shortened periods now. They've made them shortened, so we've got more time to sort of breathe between classes and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it's pretty much just, you know, waiting to log on for the next class and just, you know, hoping we're going to understand the work and getting through it. How are you feeling about next year? I'm just hopeful that I'm going to have an opportunity to go to uni or 
do something that's going to be good for my future because I, I certainly won't be able to have the gap year I had initially planned. Are you confident that it'll be fair the way that they adjust the university entrance system based on the year we've been through? I haven't heard much uh, from many universities about what they'll be doing to you know, allow entrance based on other different um, entry methods. But I know there are a few universities that are um, implementing different arrangements so that students who might not get the ATAR they would have gotten um, will be able to still go to uni. Yeah, we'll keep listening to the podcast. We're about to speak to the head of Universities Australia and find out exactly what they're doing to make it fair on people trying to get into uni. Thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Thank you for having me. Nathan Gunn, their Victorian Year 12 student. So let's find out a little bit more about the way that getting into university will change, given the way that COVID has affected Year 12 students. Katrina Jackson is the CEO of Universities Australia, and that's the organisation that represents Australian universities. We're also going to ask her about the government's proposed changes to uni fees, where they intend to double the fees for some humanities courses, but lower the fees in other areas like maths and agriculture, where there are more job opportunities. Clearly, these changes, especially if you're going to do humanities, could add a lot of stress to an already very stressful year 12. Yeah, Katrina, thanks so much for joining us this morning. How will university admission work differently this year so that it's fair? Look, Jan, almost everything seems to have changed this year. One thing that won't have changed that much is the way you get into university. There's this weird myth that the ATAR is the only thing that gets taken into account. That's just not right. A whole bunch of factors get taken into account when you're looking at university study and when universities are assessing whether you get in or not. And that really wide range will be taken into account again, even wider this year. There'll be some year 11 score admissions. There'll be some, uh, what Newcastle University just announced, a five point boost to the ATAR for their students. So year 12 students just need not to panic. Uh, Nothing that's happened to them this year because of COVID is going to stop them from getting into university. And are there way more places available now because of the drop-off in in international students? And should that give people hope that there's a very good chance they will get into uni if that's what they want to do this year? Yeah, look, again, that's a misconception. Domestic students, local students and international students are funded completely separately. So the Commonwealth government, the taxpayer, puts money in for domestic students because there's a, a very reasonable presumption that university education is a public good. So those places are funded place by place by government. International students are totally separate. They pay for their places separately. The job ready graduates package that the government has put forward does have some capacity for additional spaces, doesn't actually have any additional funding, but that's got to pass through the parliament. So we're waiting to see what happens there. So where do you guys stand on that legislation? Do you support it? We saw last week that it's going to a Senate inquiry. Uh, That's a matter for the parliament at this stage. There's a really wide range of changes. Some students will be paying less, some students will be paying more. We've always said we are really concerned about additional financial pressure on students. There's enough financial pressure on them already for those students who'll be paying more for their degrees. The government has said they'll change the um, uh, the fees for people doing social work and mm. psychology, and that's really welcome because those uh, it would be a real shame to have fees going up there. Um, look, we're watching to see what happens through the parliament. There was also a proposal that um, if university students failed classes, they could potentially lose their HEX loans. Um, given that next year, well, this year and also next year, there's it's so tumultuous for first-year students going into university, where do you sit on that proposal? Is it unfair? 
Yeah, look, again, we've asked the government to have a really clear think about that one. Uh, as we understand it, you don't actually lose your loan. You just have to move to a different area of study if you fail more than five units. Uh, it sounds as though they're going to leave a lot of the decision-making on that in the hands of universities, and there's already a really careful process inside universities for working out what happens if someone fails the majority of units in their degree. Um, in some cases, Janice, of course you'll understand, uh, there are good reasons. They've had a terrible year, a whole bunch of personal things have happened, and it's made it impossible for them to do all right in their course. And the last thing you want to do is penalise people if there are circumstances outside their control. And I think COVID falls bang smack right in the middle of things outside your control. Yeah. I mean, it's so, hard enough for a first year student regardless. I, well, I almost failed nearly all of my subjects in first year. Really? So, more know, than half? Well, let's just say I got a 50.0 for quite a lot of them. Let's not talk about <laughs> that. Make it's, a, it's a sensitive issue. But so I really feel for university students um, or, or high school students going into university next year with the added pressure of so much uncertainty around COVID. We've certainly had conversations with government about that particular part of the legislation and we'd be very keen to make sure that there is a lot of individual university decision-making there because you don't want to make the wrong decision about people with real potential who've had a particularly bad year, have had personal things happen to them. Also, keep in mind, not everyone is 17 or 18 going into university. Many, many of your listeners may be, but there are people going into university at 30, 35, 40. Mm. They may well have really serious family responsibilities if uh, they have circumstance where they have to leave university to look after kids or look after an ailing parent we want them to do that of course because it's their responsibility to do that so we just want to make sure we have the right set of policies in place from the government so that universities can make really intelligent informed decisions about how to assist students when they aren't doing as well as they as they might well, Jam went to uni at 16, but she's gifted. That's another thing we won't get into. Um, <laughs> you touched on it before that the government's proposed changes to universities involve jacking up the fees massively for some courses, including humanities. And you said that they've um, agreed to amendments to, to not do that for social work. But yeah. what about some of those other humanities subjects? Do you, do you support doubling the fees for some of those courses? Look, Tom, this is this is a really complex set of changes. It's not just the increases in fees for humanities. And certainly we've heard from lots of students who are sitting there right now deciding what to do with their life. And they uh, have decided to do humanities and they feel as though the government is making a judgment about whether that's of value or not. What I would say to every single student sitting at home now, you enrol in what you want to do and what you have a passion for, what yeah, you but care about. It's easy to say that. Skills when, in. When oh, you, I know. And when you're looking at the fees this. double, so why, why aren't you more critical of Absolutely. that? Absolutely. We certainly think there are problems with that. Um, uh, at the same time, I, I'm not an elected member of parliament, so I don't get a vote on this. So we're watching very carefully what happens in the parliament. When it gets through that Senate inquiry, we will, of course, make a submission to that Senate inquiry, uh, arguing that there are some things which really should change. Uh, and we'll be watching very closely to see what happens on the floor of the parliament. That was Katrina Jackson from Universities Australia. So, Jan, if, if vitamin C's graduation was your year 12 banger... Mm. There it is. I'm right back at my year 12 formal. I wonder what it's going to be for this year's students. Um, I don't know. WAP? WAP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, as long as you stay 1.5 metres apart from everybody while you're dancing or while you're dancing in your seat, sure. Jan, thank you for another great week on The Briefing. Pleasure. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. And remember to tell your friends, tell your family. 
Tell your wives, tell your husbands, tell your children. Tell the world. Tell the world and tell us on social media where you're listening to the podcast. And if you've got any formal pics, send them our way. We'd love to see them. Yep, story suggestions, whatever. And have a great weekend. A Podcast One production.